House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, I wish I was a male model. But well, no. what the, I've seen all these workout pictures. I thought, I think I keep thinking I'm friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, well, for you know, for a middle-aged guy, I try my best to keep it all from falling apart. Oh, give up now. <laughs> Thanks. Don't, don't waste your time. It's really not worth it, okay? Just take it from me. Okay. You keep it all together, and then you turn 60, and it just doesn't matter anyway, because it all falls apart. Oh, my gosh. So on that positive note, how are you doing, Rob? I'm doing great. Yeah, doing- you... You know, every day you can get out of bed is a good day. You get out of bed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, we broadcast you from your bed. <laughs> yeah, this is live from my room. There's a whole group of people here. Um, no, you've got a new book. Um, so, Pets in the Afterlife 3. Messages yes. from Spirit Dogs. So, now this is your third book dealing with this subject. Why did you um, do a third book? Like, what's what kept you going on to this? Well, um, so so first of all, I'm uh, a medium, which means I'm able to communicate with people on the other side. But I'm also uh, able to communicate with pets on the other side. And I get a lot more messages from pets than I do from people. And I, I have found that since I wrote Pets in the Afterlife 1 and 2, I would say probably 98% of the emails I get are from people who lost their pets and want to communicate with them and find out what's happening with them. So um, this book is is slightly different than the others because it exclusively focuses on dogs. The other ones focus on dogs, cats, horses, and birds. Um, But this one also has a chapter written by a very good friend of mine who's a medical psychologist who wrote a chapter on how to deal with grief and loss. Um, Plus it has, um, when I was finishing this book, uh, Al and Julie, two of our dogs, two of our four dogs passed away, Dolly and Franklin, in 2020. And um, so the emotion was extremely raw. Um, The the hurt and the pain of loss, that was all there. And I put that in this book. I, to let you know, to, to let people know that I feel their pain, I feel the emptiness. So, um, but it also is filled with stories of hope and communications, so that people can understand that their pets are still with them. One of the things, Rob, is that um, many people feel that mediums that they query, I suppose, that, that how mediums respond to grief, don't they? Because there's this perception that obviously because you're used to communicating with those that have passed, it somehow makes it easier, and it really doesn't. So how, how did you manage to write this book and go through the grief of the dogs as well? Um, well, I was actually just finishing the book when um, our dog Franklin passed in May of 2020. And, um, you know, I, I have to be honest with you, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't pick it up for uh, a couple weeks, but I did get signs immediately from Franklin, um, Julie. And, and Franklin has his own chapter in the book. He was pretty astounding um, right, right after he passed. And uh, so I, re- I, I wrote those all down, and then I went back and I put them in the book. And the same thing happened with our dog, Dolly, who's a Weimaraner. She passed in October. And... So many different crazy things happened um, from with her. So I can give you an example or two, um, like from Franklin. Yeah, please. Sure. Uh, so this was, this is a good example to teach you how pets communicate from the other side. Um, first of all, our dogs maintain their memories, personality, and knowledge on the other side, just as they do when they're here, um, and they behave much the same that they do. In, in spirit as they did when they were here. So one of the things in our house that we like to do at 8 o'clock at night is I call three treats time. So whenever I announce that, all the dogs usually run into the kitchen and they line up. <laughs> um, Franklin, being a dachshund, never missed a treat in his life. <laughs> so 
that night, that night that we said goodbye to him, I announced that to the other three dogs. Well, I was standing in the corner of the, of the kitchen when I announced that, and suddenly I got a very cold chill. And um, I was so cold, in fact, that I had goosebumps. And there was no excuse for it because it was May and it was about 80 degrees. Um, yeah. And I was in a warm kitchen. Um, so I felt an immediate cold spot. Now, cold spots have, have been known to indicate the presence of a ghost or spirit. And, and the reason I figured out scientifically they do is because they take the energy of motion of air molecules. They slow those molecules down, and it goes from warm air, from fast-moving molecules, to cold air. So I knew Franklin was materializing right there. And... Um, so the next thing that happened, which was interesting, too, is that our other three dogs lined up, and they left the spot where Franklin normally stays. Oh, wow. That's, that's really lovely, isn't it? So he, yeah, so he was sitting there. <laughs> they could see him. And, and of course, um, you know, a lot, that's another theory, isn't it, that um, the animals are much more sensitive than, than we are. In, in terms of the books, what have you, what have you learned through... So you, you've written three books specifically around um, talking to uh, pets. Yes. And so what have you learned through the writing of those books? Because we're always evolving, aren't we, as, as mediums. So how are you, how, what are you learning along the journey? I am learning that it is the, the limited, the, the method of communications, rather, are unlimited from pets. Because pets also get assistance from spirit on the other side. Hmm. And one such case in the book is a, a, a story about how a dog used social media to convey to his, <laughs> to his human that he was okay on the other side. You've got, you've got to tell more now. You can't leave anybody without half a story. So <laughs> how? How? Tell, tell us about this. This is fascinating. Go on. Okay. Um, well, it, we, we've all used social media. We know that uh, whenever we bring up a video, that usually the if you look at a video online, the first um, the image that's frozen is usually within the first three to five seconds of a video. It's not usually in the middle. Yeah. So what happened here is that this particular dog made sure that he was seen, and he was not in the first three to five seconds of this video. Um, uh, my friend Dan, who lives in Indiana, I befriended him after giving him a reading a year and a half ago for his other dog. Um, he has been working at an animal shelter for years, and just before COVID hit in March of uh, 2020, um, he was he was doting on this one shelter dog named Cusco, mm. and they uh, he would go in and pay, pay special attention to him and so forth. The, the shelter gave him the option of fostering the dog, but Dan works 12-hour days, and he said it would not be fair to the dog. Yeah. So he let another family foster the dog, someone that had kids and, and so forth. Um, Cusco came into the shelter with a severe case of heartworm. As it turned out, after he was brought into foster care, he passed away because Aww. the heartworm damage was so great to this poor little dog. Well, Dan was destroyed. Um, <clears throat> Dan said he just could not get this dog out of his mind. He felt regret. He felt guilt and so forth. Mm -hmm. So he, he asked me for a reading, and I gave him a reading, and then he wrote me back a week later and he said, can you tell me if this is a sign? And he explained what happened. He said he was scrolling through Facebook and he came to this new video that was just posted by the, rest of the shelter. And he, and he snapped a picture, a screenshot of it. And there was Cusco staring at him <laughs> from the computer. Oh, wow. So he said, play this video and, and tell me when you see Cusco. Well, Cusco didn't show up until one minute and 47 seconds into the video. And he said, why in the world would he be on the front, the, the first, why would he, his picture be on there? And his picture, by the way, only lasted about one or two seconds in the video. Um, and I said, Dan, it probably only came up that 
wait for you because he wanted to let you know that he's okay and he's still mm-hmm. very much around you. And sorry, go on, Rob. No, that's it. I, I, I mean, I think you get some human help there, but <laughs> I think that's amazing. I think it's such a reassurance to people. So how? So your your books have evolved from talking about many different types of pets and communication. Because of course, it's not just dogs that that communicate um, in the afterlife, but also um, now focused on on dogs. What was the what was the rationale for the focus? Because so many people were coming to you to ask those questions, and you felt it to be a need. I did, um, and and to be quite honest with you, Julie, I have so many stories. Um, from dogs and cats, but I'm actually going to do a Pets in the Afterlife 4 about spirit cats. So I'm not, I'm not being partial here. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there something different about, because you're doing this one on dogs, mm-hmm. is there a difference in how they communicate? Like, does a dog communicate differently than, let's say, a cat or a horse? For the most part, uh, no, they, they communicate pretty similarly, but it's really based on how they were in life. So um, cats tend to be, they do more physical things um, than dogs seem to do. So you may feel a cat laying against your head in your sleep or when you're laying down and your cat had passed. Uh, you may feel a cat walk across the end of the bed. Um, you know, things that dogs don't normally do. You know, dogs don't normally sleep on your head or <laughs> or walk across the bed um, in kind of a stealthy manner. Um, and and usually, with they, I mean, they do do a lot of the same things. So you may see them as a shadow, um, like a dog or a cat, uh, in the place, their favorite places where they sit. And, and the reason you see them for as a shadow and not visibly in color is because it takes too much energy for them to do that. Um, so there is a difference, and it's all based on the way that they behave in life. Hmm. So, uh, in, in general, what is it? What is what is the pet trying to do when they come across? They are trying to let us know, number one, that that the loss is only in the physical, and that they are forever connected to us in the heart, and that we should not grieve as deeply as we do. We can grieve their physical loss, but we have to understand that they're forever bound to us. Um, and they, they, will also, uh, they will also help us train our pet from the other side, our new pet, if we choose to adopt in their memory. Um, and they'll also be a guardian to us. In some cases, um, these dogs or cats have become uh, spirit guides. I know my dog Buzz has become one of my spirit guides, and he he uh, guides me to do better things for myself. So now I, I notice in this, you say you have uh, you know through personal stories and pet parents. How do you choose your stories? How do you choose which ones you're going to? talk about in a book? Um, I look for the unique signs, really. Um, I, I try to, uh, because I, I don't want to just keep repeating the same kinds of signs throughout the, the books. It's important to understand that there are such a variety of ways in which pets can communicate. I mean, there are some basic ways, um, but the one like the use of social media, I've never encountered that before. Um, and there are quite a few other unique ways that are in there too. And when I see that, you know, usually Al, when I'm doing a reading, if so, sometimes people will ask me if I will consider putting their story or that reading in a book because they've read my other books. <laughs> so they make it easy for me. Now, you know, with with the um, last year, especially in the U.S. now, uh, all the uh, turmoil. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, you had crazy president and, you've, you know, uh, just everything going on and the COVID and stuff. Does this affect the way you are able to read? And does this also make a difference in the pets that come across? It doesn't affect the way I, I read. Um, they, 
and the, the pets really come, they're always coming across in a very caring, nurturing way. So despite what's happening here now, they really, their focus is solely on the comfort of the pet parent. So they don't really pay attention to the outside environment, as, as you will. Um, but they do take special note when their pet parent's grief is so deep and if the pet parent is suffering any guilt. Um, I, I often hear from dogs and cats that uh, they don't want their parent to feel guilty for helping them cross over. Instead, they want to understand, they want them to understand that they appreciate that their pet parent had the strength and the courage to do that for them as an act of unselfish love. So I've got to ask the question, Rob, because I know people will then be thinking about it. Have you ever had um, an animal pet come over to say that the decision was wrong? Um, not wrong, per se, but maybe waited too long. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, so it wasn't... So it if I was so devil's advocate, what, why would that be? What, if it just, I mean, I, I, I get it, you know I do, but it's, I'm sure. just thinking about the listeners, really. So why, if somebody was that, if a pet was that passionate, they wanted to make sure that their, their, their pet, their human was um, not feeling guilty and, and they've, got a, they've got the same personality and kind of um, values as they have when they're on, you know, alive and well. How, how do there not then be some pets that just think, do you know what, I just wish I hadn't even been with you. <laughs> it was awful. You kept taking me on 10-mile walks. How, how do you know that <laughs> that doesn't happen? Well, they, they, they do tell me when, um, you know, when they're tired and achy and, and so forth, but they, they didn't really complain because of the love that they received. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like being in love with a, a partner. Even you know, even if you're not up to going on a hike, you do it anyway, to because you love them. Even though you know, you <laughs> you have to take serious <laughs> painkillers afterwards. That's where I go wrong. Hang on. <laughs> because you would think that um, you know, being less able to communicate with their human. In, in such an explicit way as they can with you once they've passed over, uh, whilst they're alive, you would think that if they had things to say, if they weren't happy, they would be wanting to share that as well. And so I guess some people would think, well, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they share when they think that that decision maybe to help them pass over hasn't been the right one or, or was, 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 you know, was maybe too soon? Yeah, I ha you know I haven't received any um, any messages that have said that they've they've crossed over too soon. Um, some of them said that they've crossed over early, but early before their condition gets unbearable. Yeah. So they they understood why they did it when they did it to save them from from extreme pain, um, and. Not, not, they're, not all of them are ready. It's, it's really, a, you know, as you know, it's really a trick to, to paying attention about uh, whether or not your pet is ready to go. Um, so, some tips for everybody who's listening: If your pet starts isolating themselves, if they start going in another room, if they stop eating, of course, um, mm -hmm. if they stop interacting with any of the other pets, those are signs right there that that the pet wants to be left alone. The pet is not feeling well, and. Um, I will tell you, Julie, that when Franklin, Franklin was a 16-year-old dachshund, and he had um, a disc that kept slipping in his spine, um, oh. causing him terrible pain. He was on two painkillers. He could only sleep three hours at a time, and we knew that that, you know, we, yeah, I think yeah. we waited a little long, but my partner said, no, 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 we have to wait. We have to, you know, maybe it'll get better. And I'm like, he's 16 and a half years old. Um, so... He was being optimistic, <laughs> of course. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but Franklin, when Franklin started, in the last two weeks of his life, Franklin, I would bring Franklin in the den with us to watch television with the, and, uh, and the other dogs. And Franklin would get up, he would find the strength to get up, and he would walk out of the room and go in the kitchen and sit by himself. 
And that to mm. me was a big sign right there that it was time. Yeah. Oh, that's really sad. Having, I mean, I, ha- I have a 16-year-old, sorry, 15-year-old Labrador Collie Cross with, now, and since I last spoke to you, actually, she's, she's now got diabetes and has, has gone mainly blind, um, but runs around the field like a puppy. It's, you know, it's that, and I know that actually that there's not that much time left with her. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly sad, you know, pets that live, it doesn't matter how long they live, but, you know, when I've had, you know, 15 years and she's given me so much, you just hope that you're going to make the right decision at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that, that we all feel guilty about, no matter what. I mean, even if it's even if it's beyond time, we still feel guilty about it because we feel like we could have had that one more day with them. Um, but our pets don't want us to feel that guilt. Instead, they mm-hmm. want us to be. They want us to feel appreciation for having that courage. Yeah. So, have you learned about the way you read and communicate with pets through the evolution of the books, or just, or, or just about how they communicate? It's, it's really more how they communicate, um, and. What's, I think what's difficult about a pet reading, and I, and I just did one two weeks ago for a gentleman named James, and, and I can share that with you. Um, he was skeptical. And, you know, I, quite frankly, I'm skeptical, too, when I do these readings. Because I'm thinking, why, now why in the world, how in the world could a dog tell me this? Yeah. But it's amazing what they know. Um, and I do learn over time. The, the things that different dogs focus on depending on where they grew up. And, and what's interesting here, too, is when I, get, when I do readings, people just email me their name, the dog's name, <laughs> and, um, and a picture of the dog and any questions they have, if they have any. Um, so I know nothing about where they live. Um, and, uh, or, you know, what the house looks like, what what city they live in, what environment it is. I know absolutely nothing. So I only know what the pet tells me. Yeah. So, so here's an example of that. So um, two weeks ago, I, uh, a woman named Ingrid wrote me, and she said to me um, that her cat Buddy had passed, and she spelled it B-U-D-D-H-I. And she said, I, I'm really missing my cat. I want to know if if he's still around, um, you know, what can you tell me? So um, I, I, I described, you know, what Buddy felt at the end of his life. They usually share the physical sensations of, you know, before they pass. Yeah. Um, you know, I, typical feelings of love and, and so forth. And then Buddy kept telling me the word Mala, M-A-L-A. And I, I thought... What does that even mean? I have no idea. I don't even, is that a word? <laughs> so I'm, I'm writing to this woman, Ingrid. I don't know where she's from. She could be from, you know, she could be from around the corner from where I live in Maryland. Um, mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know what this, this means, but Buddy has rep- repeated it several times. And then I sent it. And I'm like, she's going to think I'm out of my mind. So I got an email back from her the, the same night, and she wrote, I can't believe the messages that you got from Buddy. She said, what especially blew me away was the word mala. That's the name of the meditation that I do every morning, only wow. with the cat in my bedroom. It's called the mala meditation, and I've never heard of it. <laughs> um, so it, it is those validations, isn't it, that really matter? And, and likewise, I, you know, you, you might have something that to you makes no sense whatsoever. It's quite random. And mm-hmm. so you kind of wait until it's repeated a couple of times before voicing it out of a little bit of hesitation, thinking, I have no idea what this is. I'm just going to say this word or this phrase. Um, and generally, that's, that's when somebody absolutely becomes attuned and believing of the reading and, and, and that communication. Yes, and I have to be careful not to put my own thoughts in there because yes. sometimes I'll be typing a word out that I've never heard of or I, I think is like ridiculous and then I'll say, oh, maybe I should just backspace and erase that. But even though I heard it, 
from the Absolutely. town. Absolutely. And that is one of the fundamental first learnings, isn't it? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. We, we, we make things into a, um, our, our own words. We make sense of something. Um, we try to kind of almost humanize, if you like, what it is that we're, we're knowing in, in our minds. And so you, you try and make sense of something and quite often then you go down this tangent that is absolutely wrong. And if you'd have just said it as you had it, it would all make sense, but not to you. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I always second guess myself. I'm, I'm, I say to myself, this can't be right. Mm. This, is, this is crazy. So I can, I can share another story with you that's not in the book. It's actually about a reading that happened last week. Um, yep, okay. And, and this one also threw me off because I just thought, where in the world did this come from? So um, <laughs> this is the, the one about the gentleman named James that wrote me about his dog, Winnie. And um, I shared this story the other day, and it's just, it just it's fascinating what a dog can observe. So... I wrote all of these things that Winnie told me about, you know, what she liked to do, her, uh, one of her favorite toys, and a couple of other things. And, and he, he wrote a really nice note, and, and he said, you know, I, I was skeptical. started going through your email. I was skeptical in the beginning. I'm still skeptical. Then I thought, okay, favorite toy, that, that's interesting. Um, and then he said, I got to this other part where you said, I see Winnie on the other side with a woman named Liz. Hmm. And he said and and he said then I read further and he said you said Liz had on Liz was wearing something that looks like a Scottish pattern or a tartan kind of skirt or something. And he said okay that was he said that was unique and weird so he said he shared it with his wife. Well, his wife said that um, I think four days before Winnie passed, her friend from the, a university named Liz passed away, and she said, he said, my wife showed me a picture of her and Liz on her phone, and in the picture, Liz was wearing a tartan skirt. Oh, wow. That's very cool. So he said, I'm a genuine believer now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the, you know, it's just weird for me to write those things down, and I, I keep second guessing myself. I was going to say, is there is there a type of meditation or a process that you use to communicate with animals? Um, not really. I mean, I drink a lot of coffee, and. Uh, <laughs> And I actually sit in front of my computer in the quiet um, at night on the weekends, and that's when I do my readings. So, so what are the signs that people should look for um, with an animal as compared to a human that, that is trying to communicate or, or get some message to their uh, previous um, owner or parent? <laughs> Sure. Uh, so there, there are a lot of things. Um, as I said, they maintain their, their same habits in spirit that they do in the physical. So you can listen for their floor, their nails on the floor. You can listen for a collar jingle. You can listen for uh, a bark or a meow, um, which always sounds like it's coming from another room. You might see a fleeting shadow out of the corner of your eye. Um, you may feel them on the bed. You may be led to another pet that looks very similar to them. You may hear their name mentioned by somebody else randomly, wherever you are. Um, you may see a number that represents the date or time they passed or were adopted or their birthday. Those are just some examples. Um, is the biggest thing uh, or the most common thing that you get from owners or pet parents um, when they're trying to communicate with, the, with their animals? Uh, what do you think the most important thing is that they're trying to find? 
that they're trying to find? Yeah, what do you think? When someone comes to you and, and they're, they're, they're grieving or they're upset, they've lost their pet, what's, what is the thing that they, most people are looking for? Okay, uh, they're, they're actually trying to find out if their pet is okay on the other side. And usually if, um, if their pet is with somebody that they know, um, those are two of the things. And if they made the right decision about helping their pet cross. Um, sometimes uh, in the case of mysterious deaths, um, they, need to, they need to know for closure's sake what took the lives of their pet. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to give those kinds of readings. In fact, um, Al and Julie, there's a chapter in Pets 3 called uh, Ginny's Westies Solved Their Mysterious Deaths. It, it's, um, it's a story about, um, it's a reading that I did for Ginny. She had four Westies and a German Shepherd. And her Westies um, suffered, several of her, her Westies suffered mysterious deaths, three of them. Um, so she wanted to know what what in the world took their lives, um, and I contacted each one of them, and she was astounded that uh, that what I told her made sense. Um, one, in fact, was um, I remember that I told her that one of her dogs um, went out into the backyard. And I said, he, uh, your dog told me that, showed me that you had a big backyard and there was a lot of uh, woods back there and um, that he got bitten by a snake. I think, I think the dog's name was, um, I can't remember what the dog's name was. But, um, and she wrote me back and she wrote, oh my gosh, I was always afraid of snakes when I owned that property. And the dogs went out. Um, Another one told me that they, they passed from eating a plant that was poisonous. Um, and then there were, then there were others. Um, so that's one of the things people need for closure, if they don't know exactly what took their pet's life. And that, that's a really pretty frequent question. It's also a warning, too, to pet parents to know what plants you have around, um, because there are so many common house plants that are poisonous. How do, you, how do you define, like, the afterlife for pets? So that's a, that's a question that I, I see floating around. So do they go to heaven? Like, what is, what is the afterlife like for a pet? So, like people, they, they become beings of energy and light, um, coupled with memories, personality, and the knowledge of this life. And they are beings of energy. So... Yeah, I, I think some mediums will tell you that <clears throat> they, they're in fields with, <clears throat> with sunshine and so forth. And I, I think we do that <clears throat> because that's, we convey that kind of image to, to people because that's the kind of thing that will bring peace and that's what people understand. Um, but to me, as a scientist, I look at them as, as energy. Um, so as energy, they can go anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Because if you think about all the energies that flow through the universe, the cosmos, there's X-rays and solar rays and gamma rays and, and so forth. Um, they just, they're just part of that. But, but there's also a positivity to the energy. There's also a love. There's an emotion to the energy that's, that distinguishes it from the other physical energies that are out there. And that's what makes it so special. So it's really about energy for me. So now, now randomly, this is uh, kind of a, a weird question, maybe, but you know how? Uh, okay, so a medium will pick up things from from uh, other humans that have passed and, and places and stuff. Do you get random ones from pets the same way? Like, can you go into a building and you're picking up a pet um, spirit coming to you, or is that? something that you have to direct yourself to, like you have to be with the owner? Um, or is that something that happens randomly as well? It's happened randomly twice um, in all my years. Uh, in one particular investigation I did with the Inspired Ghost Tracking Team, it was a cat that actually, a ghost cat as it turned out, <laughs> that brushed by my ankles. Um, 
And when I asked the owner about that, she said that they never owned a cat. And she said the previous owner didn't own a cat either, but the neighbor did, and that cat used to come over the house often. So obviously that cat still comes over the house. <laughs> um, and there was another time when I was in England, and I walked into a museum, the former house of uh, Sir John Soane, the um, famous British architect. His dog, Fanny, still um, plays in that house and has been seen by many docents there including me, because I saw the first thing I saw when I opened that door to go in that, that museum was a little black dog running across the hallway. And I thought, what in the world is a dog doing here? Well, that's a, so, so it can happen where you pick up an, an independent animal, so, so to speak. Like, you, yes. like when you saw that, that, that dog in the architecture's house, you weren't getting the architecture, but you were just getting the dog. Yes. Yeah, so it can happen, absolutely. And so what do they do? Are, are, are they interested in communicating when they're that way? Or is, does that animal um, stay on its own, just do its own thing? It's just, it's just there for its own purpose. Or does that animal actually try to uh, communicate with people? Um, in that particular case, um, they, they do want to communicate with people. But I think they seem to be content um, being what they are, where, where they are and doing what they're doing um, until they get bored, I guess, just like ghosts who are, you know, human ghosts who, who choose to stay for reason. And then after a while, they realize that it's not such a good idea. And then they want to cross over. Yeah, because, I mean, because you can go into an old building, right? And there can be um, uh, a human spirit that's crossed over that's maybe had an agonizing life and they're they're stuck you know how there can be um, um, not really crossed over as some mediums would say and, and they're in a in a kind of a circle they're just sort of staying there and they, they've, they've had a um, they have a lot of pain and agony and stuff do you ever get that with an animal do animals ever get in that place where they don't go to the light so to speak or don't cross over um, I'm sure that there are there are some that do that that feel that way, um, and I would say in my experience, I I would say about 98 percent of them cross over, and uh, the reason I say that is because often the spirits of our human loved ones are on the other side, calling them over and welcoming them, and even the pets that we had uh, you know earlier in life, they'll also be there. And, and, and I say that because when my dad passed away in 2008, I saw him walk into the light. And in, in the light were my, was my family dog, my two family dogs, and my dog Buzz that passed in 2005, as well as my dad's parents and my mother's parents. So they're all there encouraging the, the, our pets to come across. Well, I, I, that's sort of that's sort of what I, I'm kind of trying to get to is, so that's that's all good. But why why hmm, why is it that some some humans get stuck, but the, but the pets don't? Well, the pets actually can get stuck uh, earthbound. Um, so that little dog in in England, for instance, that dog has been there for two hundred years. Um, or 150 years, and he's still there. Um, so he's stuck until somebody can cross him over, if he wants to be crossed over. Um, but why do you, you know, think that is? They, like, you know, because the pets tend to be, um, in my experience, in my, in my life on Earth, um, all the pets tend to be very, very loving, very happy, very, you know, they, it doesn't matter what you do, they still love you and all that sort of thing. Sure. Uh, you know, humans can be a different thing, right? Um, and, <laughs> and, so, and so there's a lot, well, there's a lot more politics to humans, right? There can be a lot of, you know, a different type of thing. Sure. Um, they hold on to grudges or they can, you know, whatever goes on. So I understand some of that stuff, but I just, I just wonder... Um, what about the animal that that 
allows them to be so free at crossing? And why would that, that for instance, that dog, why would he want to stay earthbound? Or why would the dog stay earthbound? Because they don't really have that same, it's not like the dog had this, you know, they're, they're haunting something or doing something. Um, or is there such a thing as maybe animal haunts, you know, animals that uh, will haunt a place uh, and will be kind of a little more evil? Um, well, I have to answer that in two parts. Number one, I, there is, I, I do think that animals will, can choose to stay in a place of, of their choosing in the afterlife. Um, and I, I got the sense from this little dog that he loved his home so very much that when he passed, he didn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> so he just stayed so he could forever run around and play. Um, I don't, uh, so the second part of that is that uh, um, I never really get uh, an innate evil sense from an animal um, that, that has stayed unless it's a wild animal. Not, and, not, and that's not evil, it's just confrontational, it's just protective. Um, and, and I haven't really run into any wild animals as ghosts. Well, you know, you just haven't been to the right bar. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, you'll have to tell me where he goes so I can avoid them. <laughs> oh, oh, believe me, if, if, I, if I knew, I would be... Yeah. I don't go anywhere in the room myself. <laughs> Okay. Bearing, bearing in mind, Rob, I, I'm in the UK and I stay there very purposefully. Oh, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just like to look at different angles of things. Um, sure. So, you know, because, again, when you talk about pets, so your, your own pet um, is loving and, and, and crossed over and stuff. So what about the wild animals? What's the difference between a wild animal and, um, you know, a feral dog and, let's say, um, a dog that's been loved and, and cared for? So um, I, I can really only communicate with domestic, domesticated pets because they know our language and our habits and our emotions and so forth. Wild animals um, can't relate really to people that, you know, they because they don't know how we live, they don't know our language and so forth. So I have a hard time um, communicating with any wild animals. So uh, it makes it really hard for me to answer that question about what they're thinking and so forth. Um, how do they mix in the afterlife, Rob? So how would all, all the different animals mix? Because you talked about them getting support from, from people. Mm -hmm. um, so how do, they, how do they mix with other animals? I think so they mix pretty well. I wouldn't want to think of my dog going and then being confronted by a tiger. Or so I look at it this way: that when once their energy, every everything is physically equal. Nothing can be intimidating because it's all energy and personality. I, you know, one thing I wonder is. Um, um, you know, because I, I rescue a lot of the old dogs, but I, I think of some of these pets that have been through, uh, you know, terrible lives. Sure. Dreadful, you know, and how, what people do to them and, and how they get stuff. What happens to that animal that's been abused and, and, and had a terrible life? And some, some of them don't make it. Where, where, what goes on with that type of a soul? And did you ever come across that in your, in your time? Um, I have come across animals that were uh, that were in abusive situations and that were rescued by others and and given the love and care that they never got when they were younger um, and and it was a, a true sense of gratefulness and appreciation um, I haven't come across I, I haven't been communicating with any of the animals that passed away from, from an abusive situation. Um, you know, um, I, I don't know if I could emotionally deal with that very well, to be honest with you. Um, 
but I'm so busy helping the, the you know the people with their that loved their pets that I haven't really been able to focus on the uh, the others. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's totally an interesting um, process. All of this um, has that process changed for you much over the years, like since the very first um, pets in the afterlife book till now. Over the years, has has this whole process changed for you in in the way that you communicate with animals? Uh, I I think that I tend to believe them more. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, granted, I still doubt myself whenever I hear messages, but not as much as I used to, uh, because I've really learned a lot of the ways that they do communicate, um, and and the things that they're, they're trying to convey. Um, I I do have an interesting story that I want I want to share with you if I have if you have time sure. um, about how. Um, our dog Dolly actually helped me realize who was waiting for her on the other side, and that it was her time. Um, okay, so Dolly was almost 16 years old. That's old for a wine runner. She was uh, less than a month of that, um, before her birthday, and she actually, um, right up until a week before she started failing, she actually walked around the block. She did agility in the house and so forth. But she suffered the same thing that Franklin, our dachshund, suffered from, and that was a disc suddenly slipping in the back of her spine. Um, in her case, it happened within 24 hours, and it rendered her legs, her back legs, useless. So, you know, for a big dog, um, that's extremely difficult. Plus, she... She had been incontinent with number one and number two for a year, so she was wearing a diaper. She was a real trooper. She had a strong spirit, and she was, over that year, she was never ready to go. It wasn't until the disc thing happened. Um, so the night, <clears throat> the, the night we went to bed, I, um, I knew we, we, we called a, a vet for the next day because we knew uh, you know, her legs weren't working anymore. She was miserable. We could tell. Um, it was time. Um, but I, it, you always want that confirmation. Well, fortunately, Dolly and my relatives in spirit were able to give that confirmation. So I slept on the floor with her that night in the kitchen with her and, and our other dog that was bonded to her. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, she woke up and she she lifted her head, which was unusual because, you know, her spine wasn't working very well, um, and she stared at a door. And I tried to get her to lay back down, and, I, and she wouldn't lay down. And finally, I just said, okay, what are, you, what are you looking at? So I turned to look at the door, and, and Al and Julie, um, there were my parents, um, our friend Ed that's been there for all of the passings of our dogs. And uh, I saw Franklin. And Buzz and Sprite, was Tuesday, Tuesday, they were all there, waiting for him, for her. And so I knew that it was the right time. I knew it was the right decision. Um, so they let me know. Wow. It was a hard, it was a hard thing to see, but it was it was uh, necessary. So now, um, how do people find you, and and would you have a website and a place set up? And do you, do you have um where you do readings for people or their animals? Do you have a place set up on your website? I do. I finally had to do that this year. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, if people go to PetSpirits.com, that's probably easiest, or RobGutrow.com, um, on the top right corner they'll see a little box that says How I Do Readings, and you can click on that. Um, on the left-hand side you'll see a link to all of my eight books, um, and you can click on that. It takes you right to Amazon. Um, and I only do readings on the weekends, um, you know, on my free time, because I, I have a daytime job as a scientist. So I, I was going to say what maybe your, your antenna works better on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little more focused. Yeah. Ah. 
Well, that's great. Um, how has everything been going for you for the COVID and stuff? What do you, how, is it, how has it worked for you? Um, what do you think about all that? Well, every hundred years, I mean, well, no, less than every hundred years, there's always going to be a pandemic because that's just the way of viruses and bacteria and all that stuff. So it is what it is. Um, we just have to be mindful and, and pay attention to science, speaking as a scientist, and do the right thing. Not only to protect ourselves, protect our families, and protect everybody else in the world. Um, it's, it's really important. Um, it has given people a lot of time to think, though. Uh, I've noticed that uh, people have been uh, adopting pets left and right, which is wonderful, because well, pets are teaching them unconditional love. As long as they don't give them up after it goes away. That's know. exactly, um, yeah, my fear yeah. as a dog rescuer. Yeah, like, people tend to do that, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, anti-maskers, how come they smoke? You know, I can't even, I don't even want to go there. Um, <laughs> well, it's just one thing I noticed that because you see the people that were are refusing to wear a mask and then they, because uh, they can't breathe properly or it's, you know, but yet they stand there and they're yelling and they've got a cigarette in their hand. <laughs> Sorry, I just uh, had to bring that up. Um, well, Rob, it's always an interesting uh, All I will say to that is <clears throat> medical people have been wearing surgical masks forever. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's just silliness. But well, I appreciate you coming on. It's always interesting to hear uh, hear about what you're doing and stuff. And uh, you're going to continue to write books. You, you still got a future going doing doing that. Is that kind of your plans? I do actually. know I have seven books uh, all slated for the next seven years. One a year is my goal. Um, because there's so many aspects of the paranormal. I mean, pets are one aspect of the paranormal that I talk about. But I also talk about people. Um, spirits that have crossed over and ghosts that have stayed and um, there's there's so many different angles to talk about that yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm just trying to share my experiences and, and educate people and help them understand what's going on. Is that sort of the purpose when you write a book? It, it is. Yeah, it really is. It's really about education <clears throat> and, and uh, in terms of knowing how our loved ones communicate from the other side it's, it's helping to bring them comfort and peace that's why i write well fantastic well we appreciate you being on the show we'll have your website and book up on ours as well so people can do one click and pick it up and and come find you and if they want to book you they can just do it right on right on your right online and uh, you know um our guest has been uh, rob gatro thank you for being here thank you so much for having me to find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.